Hello, and welcome back to Modern Animism, a very convoluted guide. I'm your podcast host, Sarah Jane. This is podcast 14, in which we'll cover sacrifice and prophecy, mysticism and magic, and love. I'll get in some proper animistic thought in today. But firstly, let's bring forward the ideas we've already touched upon that are pertinent to the concept of modern animism and its opinions on sacrifice. Previously in modern animism, I discussed human sacrifices. These occurred during the initial stages of agriculture, as some roles from earlier societies remained after the domestication of the early humans. We mentioned other forms of sacrifice as well, in the form of barrenness of the wives of the Old Testament prophets, as they lost the protection of their unnamed female deity. We slightly breezed towards Eve's curse of menstruation. We touched upon the sacrifice of the goddess. How as larger groups merged, her role reduced. So her only power was in the fertility of the land. And because of that, her blood created the rivers and her body remains created the hills and mountains. I was talking about the lack of a goddess figure in the Bible. She exists, but she is never referred to. The Old Testament recommends an orthopraxic method of worship so that the image of deities were unacceptable. As in, in the beginning, there was the word. We don't necessarily lose the power of femininity, but we lose the goddess's name and iconography. I could have mentioned the myth of Cain and Abel, who was saved from sacrifice, in a nod towards the concept that men were innocent and acted without blame, but would not be punished. But the women are never pardoned, and we assume this is because women have been given the gift of wisdom and foresight. Women had received knowledge, so they could never be innocent. In eating the apple, women gained truth, the knowledge of good and evil, but the price for pain was a curse of pain and suffering. And the pain of childbirth was actually the loss, it was the grief rather than the physical pain itself. Since humans lived in an environment without painkillers, the chances of physical suffering through one's life would not be female-centric, everyone would suffer. But the cost of childbirth was the high morality rate. Women would suffer loss at the cost of knowledge. And it refers to women being emotionally sensitive because of this loss. And this refers back to some extent to the early goddess Creatrix, who was the goddess of both life and death. And it's this kind of wisdom gained through experience that we mentioned previously in an earlier podcast. It was that long, dark night of the soul. I was also talking about the traditions of how one becomes an animist, especially in Eastern shamanic traditions. There is an overwhelming process through which you turn yourself inwards and disconnect yourself from society. A point where no one will come to meet you because either your illness is contagious and you must spend time in isolation, or more normally, the gift of animism comes as a result of enormous mental health breakdown. And in both these situations, it's frequently the women who suffer. They can be ostracised from society or scapegoated as being a bringer of misfortune. They lose their support networks easily as a result of the way that society treats women. 
and through this process they'll find themselves in the company of other women who may well have gone through the same processes of loss. And we get a group of shamans through this process who operate in a similar manner to what be known as a green witch in the pagan community. This whole podcast today is about the process of loss as a method of gaining spiritual power. I refer initially to mental health stigmatization, but historically we see a lot of versions of loss. And Jesus wanders in the deserts for 40 days and nights. And anecdotally, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to pass through a needle. There's evidence of hermits, of solitude and meditation. And they all stem from this act of segregation from the world. But to understand anything on a profound level, one needs to be able to remove oneself from the relationship that keeps us entrenched in this version of reality. I believe I mentioned this in one of my previous podcasts. They're actually in relationship with people. And those relationships are forms of causality. Lead us to act in certain ways. But we need to own and transform those actions, that causality, for the sake of transforming our physical reality. But similarly, in a later podcast I spoke about that we're multidimensional. Our reality is only the larger tip of the mountain. All those self-help workshops who talk about changing our patterns of reality through affirmation. And all those self-help retreats that break your pattern of reality by transplanting you to a different situation. These are all lesser forms of our basic animism actions. We must be separated and then learn loss in order to change our identity, in order to embrace the other forms of experience that are available to us. But this process of loss, of distancing oneself from reality, has no end point. We can keep on losing oneself in this, in this spirit place until one loses sense of one's own personal consciousness, until one loses one's resemblance of utility to society. In those actions, we lose the ability to transmute or create causality. We lose the capacity to change our combined destiny and we become passengers. If we consider the Greek gift of Cassandra, who gained the gift of prophecy, but loses the gift of credibility. No one believes in her. To gain spiritual power is to offer up that part of oneself. We lose one's eyesight so we can see better. We lose a limb so that we can serve further. But what's here biblically are people who offer up their children to gain divine protection. And we know from archaeological evidence that early humans were frequently sacrificing humans as appeasement, reminding me that in some animist societies there is no sense of personal belongings because everything can be given. Thinking of Cassandra reminds me of the other blind prophets, such as Tiresias, the blind Greek soothsayer, whose blindness was linked to the death of snakes, but he had accidentally killed them. So many of our gifts of prophecy have been linked to snake venom. It's why blindness is so prevalent as a sacrifice. We do hear about the sacrifice of limbs and phantom limb syndrome 
when one's body takes actions against its owner's wishes, as if following cues from a higher, from a higher power. But it's much more established to see that we're sacrificing loss of vision, of coherence. Examples where priestesses can only speak in riddles that need later to be decoded. This leads to the advent of what we now know as poetry. There are tales that are all manifestation of religious states. They've all been brought about by the ingestion of snake venom. We know that the snake is a representation of wisdom. We hear the words wisdom teeth. And this isn't purely because the acquirement of teeth is linked to communication and the ability to talk succinctly. Venom or hallucinogenic treatments are the root of wisdom in many animistic practices and this action is what alluded to in the Garden of Eden as Eve tastes of a bin fruit and gains the gift of wisdom after gaining wisdom she must suffer this deep emotional sorrow that stands as one of the gifts of women now honestly I know that animists especially modern animists don't feel the need to try don't feel the need to buy into that goddess culture and one assumes that animism predates all other forms of religion and I hope I have illustrated that many modern religions or spiritual practices have evolved from early shamanic practices and I know I write in small snippets in my podcast this is to give you time to digest this information but I'm not going to finish the podcast here yet but let's discuss the biggest question which came first, animism or goddess worship? Last week I was looking at three points of interest. Early history of humanity, which gave us our biological conditioning. Then we had the examples of goddesses being dispowered. This was Greek prehistory, which gave us our legal statuses and constitutions. And then what was followed was by the invention of monotheism, which gave us our spiritual values. I pose the question as part of which point did animism come into existence? Was it before or after the goddess creatrix? And the answer to this is love. Prior to animism, early humans would have had a belief in something akin to suspended animation. After death, one did not pass on. The soul was detached and it was lingering. This is why early humans had such an attachment to the body and bones of the people who passed over and would carry physical remains around with them. But during the course of evolution, humans gained a sense of self. They recognised themselves as individuals within a group and this would bring about a sense of mortality. You could see other people dying and therefore know that you yourself would die one day too. To get to grips with mortality, humans would initiate the first forms of spiritual service. They would pray and barter for their lives with outside agents, the early totems. Morality would also give us the gift of legacy. For to offset death, one needed to teach and impart knowledge to one's offspring. For this one needed the gift of communication. One needed to understand paternity in order to impart that wisdom to an offspring. So in effect, humans needed to be in relationships, they needed to care for each other and to have shared values before animism could be invented. And whilst all early humans 
may have seen spirits in the forest. To turn these into a system of belief required more advanced forms of communication. We learnt previously that women's survival was dependent upon trading food for sex, but the invention of animism illustrates this wasn't that this lifestyle wasn't purely a transactional agreement. To raise children was to instruct them in values. That young boys, once they became adults, would then share back with the women in their lives. No religion, theology or spirituality could start until the self, until the sense of self was developed. But the thoughts that one might be isolated and alone led us to form intimate relationships. It brought us the act of worship, as we need to find a semblance of belonging in the foreign world that awaited us after death. It was the need to find something comforting in death that would then go on to create the act of divination and prophecy. To promote our own self of comfort, we need to remove the pangs of lost love and we needed to find out what lay beyond the veil. In our next podcast, we will look at other animist techniques of definition and breathwork, and I hope you join me then.